Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. So Hebrews chapter 1, it's obviously, uh, I'm dividing it up into two sections, right? Verses Mm -hmm. 1 through 3 and then 4 through 14. And that seems a little bit odd to start in verse 4 because verse 4 tends to, it it does, it ends the sentence that began in verse 3. And so verse 4 introduces something new for us. It introduces this being called angels. And verse 14, which was the last verse that we read, also ends uh, explaining who angels are and what angels are supposed to do. And so this is the text that we're focusing on. And uh, Marion, we seem to have uh, different ideas of what angels are and what angels are (laughs) supposed to do, don't we? Yeah, I can't help but... uh... When you read the end of verse 14, it says, Ministering spirits sent out to serve. Um, you can't help but have the picture of the Hallmark movie where the angel has come to earth and is helping orchestrate all these things that should come about in their lives. So is that what is supposed to happen? They come and they serve us. <laughs> That's a good question. Are, are angels uh, sent out to bring couples together and to... <laughs> Uh, eternal marital bliss, right? Or just a guardian angel Mm. protecting us from whatever Mm. mishap is about to happen. Mm. Well, let's look at verse 14 first, and then we'll go back to verse 4. But uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says specifically, Are they, being angels, not all ministering spirits? And so this verse tells us that angels, they're not humans like us. But they're spirits, and specifically, they are ministering spirits. That word, ministering, uh, it speaks of a specific task. It's the word that we get the word liturgy from. It's the kind of description uh, that was given to the priest in the Old Testament uh, in their service in the temple. This is why we call our worship not just a worship gathering, but a worship service. It's from this same concept, this same type of service. And so this is the function of these spirits, these angels, and they're sent out. So notice they have a specific assignment from God, and they're sent out to serve. That's the same word that we get the word deacon from. It's the same kind of service. Uh, Just as deacons serve, angels serve. And As you pointed out already, they serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Now, who is it that inherits salvation? Uh, We'll look at that word inherit. It's not saying that we inherit salvation as if your father or your mother were saved, and so then you also will be saved. That's not what it's saying. Uh, This word inherit was also used in verse 4. This is why verses 4 and 14 uh, tend to bracket off this section. Um, Verse 4 says, 
uh, of the Son having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Have you noticed that the name Jesus has not been mentioned yet in Hebrews? And in fact, it's not mentioned until chapter 2, verse 9. But we know Hebrews is talking about Jesus, but he's only identified so far as son. And even in our text, as firstborn. And so when you hear this language of son, firstborn, inheritance, it's all inheritance language because the son was the one who inherited what was from the father. Uh, The firstborn son received uh, most of the inheritance. And likewise, you and I, in the son, in Christ, become sons of God in him, and we receive with him an inheritance that the Bible calls salvation. So verse 14 makes very clear, angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Angels are a part of God's working in history, bringing about salvation through the Son. So uh, angels are not uh, beings that are sent out to bring together couples as we like to think of in the Hallmark movies, but they have a very important role in what God is doing for salvation in the world. Look with me uh, at verse uh, 4 again. Having become, speaking of the Son, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so this is uh, showing how the Son is superior to angels. Now that word superior is the word better than. And this is a theme that will recur throughout Hebrews, that this Son, this Jesus, and everything that he offers is superior or better than angels. And it will continue on comparing Jesus, contrasting him with other things. Uh, And his name is more excellent than theirs. That word excellent is a word that means different. Uh, Jesus receives a different name than angels receive. And as I've already pointed out, the name Jesus isn't mentioned yet. So what is this name? And right here at this point in Hebrews, this name is Son. And that's what this text is going to go on to unfold and prove through the Old Testament scriptures that uh, angels were never called God's son. Uh, Look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, this is a quotation from Psalm chapter 2 verse 7. If you're reading a Bible with footnotes, it'll, uh, mine has a little A footnote next to it. You can go down to the bottom of the page and it'll show you where that quotation is from, Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. But Hebrews makes extensive use of Old Testament passages and it picks up those Old Testament passages and shows how they apply to the Christ, to Jesus, to the Son. And so uh, in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, You are my Son, today I've begotten to you begotten you, Hebrews is saying this text finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus as God's Son. 
Another text aside is 2 Samuel 7, 14. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That was never said of angels. Verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So the main point of that statement is that you never see the son worshiping angels, but you always see angels worshiping the son. Uh, From the moment that Jesus's birth was announced in Luke 2 to the heavenly throne scenes of Revelation, angels are worshiping the Son, not the other way around. Uh, Verse 7 makes the first statement of angels. It says, of angels he says, or of angels God says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. And this is a quotation from Psalm 104, verse 4, but you see how it already sets the stage for the statement in verse 14. It echoes what verse 14 says. Um, Angels are ministers. Angels are these servants. Uh, That same word liturgy here. Uh, Angels, he makes his angels winds, his ministers a flame of fire. But for the one statement that's made of angels, there are two statements made of the Son. Look at verse 8. But of the Son, he says, God says, Your throne, O God. Now, Marion, let me ask you this question. How is the Son described in this verse? What word is used to describe the Son? Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Eternal. Eternal. Forever and ever. But more specifically before that, your throne, O what? Oh God, this is a direct statement in the scriptures where Jesus, the Son, is called God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He's eternal. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. The kingdom of God is defined by righteousness. You have loved righteousness, and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And so, obviously, this text uh, from Psalm chapter 45, verses 6 through 7, finds fulfillment in the Christ, and Hebrews is showing us that. Verse 10 gives us another quotation from Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27, Saying likewise, you, Lord, speaking of Christ, the Son, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. So once again, just as Hebrews began, uh, the author of Hebrews is showing how this Son, this Christ, was in the beginning with the Father and was involved in the process of creation. Uh, It was through Him all things that uh, were made that were made. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same. Never changes. And your years will have no end. And then verse 13 says once more, To which of the angels, another question, To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so once again from Psalm 110 verse 1, 
the author of Hebrews is pulling together these Old Testament scriptures and showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these. And God never said any of these things of angels, but he has said these things of his son. And so verse 14 ends by saying, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? If you wanted to know what angels were and what they were supposed to do, it is a very simple and clear statement of the role of angels. And they are inferior, Hebrews says, to the Son. Back to verse 8 where we said it clearly is showing us that the Son is God. Mm -hmm. So several of us have been reading um, different characteristics of God alone. Um, So omniscient, eternal, Mm -hmm. um, unchanging, infinite, and all of these things we can clearly see through this passage, they are Jesus. Jesus is all of them Mm -hmm. too because he is God. But what about the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit come in? And that's a great question, and if you're part of our congregation at Southside or have been listening to our, uh, the sermons, you'll note that we just finished the book of Acts, and that was one of the main highlights of the book of Acts, was we said, you know, where is the Holy Spirit in this text? Where is the Holy Spirit empowering the church to uh, be witnesses for Jesus? And so this same question applies to Hebrews, and I try to ask this question of every text, Uh, Where is the Father? Well, we see this very clearly. Father and Son here in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 4 through 14. But what about the Holy Spirit? And I'm always reminded that it was the Holy Spirit that moved the writers of Scripture to write God's Word. And so as we see the author of Hebrews drawing upon the Old Testament, this is where the Holy Spirit is present. bringing these words to mind, bringing them out, and showing how Christ is the fulfillment of these scriptures. Does this text highlight any sin um, in our own lives that we need to acknowledge? Uh, I believe it does. Uh, And you at home, think through this with me. What sin does this text highlight? And As you read through what's happening, the author of Hebrews is showing us how the Son is superior to angels. And we sinful humans tend to make greater things out of lesser things. Uh, This is the base form of idolatry, right? We elevate something that uh, is not as great to a a greater place than it already is, if that makes any sense. Um, And so uh, Hebrews begins in this way because we might have a tendency to elevate angels to a a place that they do not ever inhabit in scriptures. Think about the encounters that humans have with angels throughout the Bible. What most often happens when an angel appears to someone? They do not be afraid. Yeah, (laughs) yes, that person usually falls down in fear. And and the first words of that angel are often, fear not, or do not be afraid. And so, as Hebrews has already said, God has spoken uh, long ago in many ways. Certainly, God speaking to humans came through these intermediaries, through these 
angels. And, and the word angel actually means messengers. And so angels were messengers uh, speaking God's word to humans. And so as uh, God spoke in these ways in the past, it would be very understandable for people to elevate the messenger uh, above the one who sent him. And I believe this is the sin that uh, this text is highlighting for us and that we're to consider on our own selves. What things are we elevating to a place that they were never meant to be elevated to? And very clearly, Hebrews is telling us that angels were never meant to be elevated beyond being ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. And this text gives us the grace of God to overcome that sin, and it's put squarely in the Son, in Jesus. When we see Jesus for who He is, then everything else tends to fall into its proper perspective. And in fact, um, even during this season, as we've already talked about, where things are different, where we're uncomfortable, uh, I believe that's a message that God wants us to hear as well. What is most important? At the beginning of this year at Southside, we uh, chose the word focus as the word that would define our year, and we would focus in on our priorities. And in a way, I believe God's helping us to see more clearly what our priorities need to be. Everything we are as a church and everything we do as a church flows out of who Jesus is and what Jesus has called us to be and do. So I want that to be your encouragement as well as we're working through Hebrews to keep our eyes squarely upon Christ. Uh, His Death on the cross for sin, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his soon coming again. That's what's in focus here in Hebrews. If I could summarize the, this whole message in this one phrase, it would be something like this. The Holy Spirit throughout the scriptures um, shows Jesus, rather than angels, to be God's Son. And it is in the name of Jesus that we are saved. And just remember that we're uh, Hebrews is building upon itself. And so uh, all of chapter 1 so far is leading up to a warning that's going to come at the beginning of chapter 2. And so all of this has been laying the basis for that warning and carrying us on through to what we're supposed to do. So in a way, the application is not all in chapter 1, but it carries over into chapter 2 as well. As a, as a young pastor, I received this advice early on that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And I believe there's truth in that. And in the same way, Hebrews is, is showing us as well, uh, it wants us to hear, to pay attention to what God has to say. It tells us up front that God has spoken, but it's showing us first how much God cares, who God sent with this message, who we are to hear, and what that cost this son uh, coming out of heaven, being born as a human, living uh, among us, uh, being tempted as we are, suffering, dying, being raised to life again so that we could be born again, so that we could be sons of God. And 
have eternal life in Him. And so uh, keep all of this in mind. I hope you'll continue to join with us. Read this text for yourself. And as you have questions throughout this week, uh, please send them to me. You can uh, find us on Facebook. You can go to our website, southsidebaptist.net, and communicate with us that way. Uh, I think this is going to be a very profitable study for all of us. Absolutely. And remember the verse that Addison taught us, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Is Hebrews a book about the resurrection? Absolutely, because in the benediction to Hebrews, it attests to the risen Lord. None of this matters if the Son is not alive. Jesus is alive. Remember that this Easter season. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish His purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of His Word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.